All right, awesome. Man, what a great morning to be here. Just lots of exciting stuff. So, hey, welcome to River Ridge. Uh, if you're watching online, welcome to you who are tuning in online. So before we jump into the message, I want to uh, kind of talk about one quick thing. I know that at this time of year, as far as January, it's a time of year when <clears throat> a lot of folks, as they think about church, they're, you know, they're, they're going through your mind. It's like, you know, I'd love to get more involved with River Ridge Church. I'd like to connect more. I'd like this to be more my home. I just, I come on Sunday mornings and I come and I go and I don't know a whole lot of people and I'd like to get more connected. And so I want to talk to you, if, if that's you, about what that might look like for you. You know, one of the things that we do is we have groups. So we have groups that meet all throughout the week, all different times, men's groups, women's groups, lots of different groups. So if you'd like to be a part of a group and uh, basically study God's Word together, pray for each other, get to know each other, encourage each other, we'd love to have you jump in on that. There's three ways you can get in on a group. One is on the Riverridge app. You can just push the little icon that says New Groups uh, and fill out a little form on your phone. You can go to the River Ridge Church website, and you can fill out a form there to say, hey, this is what I'm interested in in terms of groups. Or if you'd like, uh, after this service at the little kiosk out there, Bruce Moore, our groups pastor, will be there, and he can answer any questions that you have about groups and what works for you and help get some information from you to help you find a group that works for you. And then the other way to get involved, again, this is if you're like, hey, I'd like to make Riverage more of my home, I'd like to get more plugged in, is we would love to have you get involved in serving. And so we're doing a little kind of mini get plugged into serving deal um, the next couple weeks. And so right in front of your knees in the seat back pocket, there's this little card that says, yes, I'm interested in serving in the following areas. And so there's a number of different places that we need uh, additional volunteers. And so if you're thinking, hey, I kind of want to get more involved, and on the church side, we're thinking, hey, we need some more volunteers, it may be a great match. So you can look on here and say, hey, where could I get plugged in? You can check a couple things or one thing or four things, and we'll get in touch with you and let you know, kind of find out about you and get you a good fit. Um, but you can fill this out and then drop it in one of the baskets on the silver tables as you leave this, uh, this morning. So I want to share kind of a cool story about um, kind of serving and church with their overlap. Uh, so this is a picture, and this is a guy named Michael, and he's five years old. And uh, Michael's been a part of River Ridge Church for about a little over a year, maybe 16 months. And uh, Michael was recently adopted by Justin and Amber Gall. And, uh, and he was uh, with them for about a year, a little bit more before he was adopted. He was adopted about a little over a week ago. And one of the things uh, that I have found out about adoption is oftentimes when a child is adopted, they get the opportunity to take on a new name. So their last name changes from wherever it was to whatever it will be, but they also are often asked, would you like to change your name or would you like to add a middle name or a first name? And so uh, Justin and Amber asked Michael, say, would you like to change your name? And he said, yes, I want to be called Ali. And you may be wondering, Ollie, who picks Ollie as a name? Who picks, you know, is that like a big Oliver North fan or something like that? Who picks Ollie as a name? Well, here's why. Uh, because this is the Ollie that Michael knows. Ollie is part of our preschool ministry. He's kind of the mascot of our preschool ministry. And Michael's life has been tremendously impacted because of the small group leaders that are his small group leaders for his preschool class and because of the videos he watches of Ollie. And so he said, I want my name to be Ollie. So they sort of settled on Oliver, um, but that became his name. Uh, he still goes by Michael, so it's Oliver Michael Gall. Um, but I think, man, 
when you serve, you're making an impact on people. His preschool leaders have an impact on him that affects his name. That's how he thinks about the world because of Ollie who teaches him about the Bible and about his preschool leaders here who teach him about God's word. And so I want to encourage you, if you're thinking about serving to get involved with the church, to get to know people, that's a great option. But also, there are people that you can influence in all these different serving areas and make a difference in who they are and what their life is about. And then to kind of bring it full circle to one more picture, this is a picture of Michael on his adoption day. And uh, you'll notice that there's a a ton of people there. And uh, Keith Hoover was talking to one of the lawyers at this this hearing, basically, where he uh, becomes officially adopted. And the, the lawyer was saying, man, there are a lot of people here. This is not normal for an adoption. Usually there's a few family members around, but who are all these other people? And most of the people, so about half the folks there are family members, and the other half are River Ridge folks who either serve with Justin and Amber or who are in their home group. And that's the surrounding community that they have. And I think there's something in all of us that longs for that type of community, those types of relationships. And so I want to encourage you, it doesn't happen just by coming on Sunday morning. There's you know, six or 700 people here this morning. It doesn't come by just coming and going. It comes by taking a step and saying, I want to get to know some people. I want to get in a group. I want to serve. And, and maybe you want to kind of remain anonymous for a while, but when you want to get to know people, take that step and get involved. So anyway, I encourage you, if you'd like to be a part of serving or groups, uh, it's a great way to get involved and know folks and to get engaged here at River Ridge. So hey, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for this morning. Thanks for this opportunity that we have today to hear from you. And uh, God, as we look at your word this morning, I pray that you would speak. pray that you would speak through my words, and I also pray that the Holy Spirit would speak very loudly this morning and and give us instructions and and direction on how to live life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, the book of Ecclesiastes to start out with, the book of Ecclesiastes. And we started there last week as well, and we read in chapter 3, and uh, there's a the passage there that says there's a time for everything, and there's, there's 28 different seasons that Solomon writes about in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And so he says there's a time for mourning, and a time for laughter, a time to weep, and a time to cry, and a time for joy, and there's all of these different times that there are in life, these different seasons that we go through. And so what we talked about is that as we approach this next year, we don't know what's ahead of us. There's going to be some amazing times ahead of us, but there's going to be some difficult times ahead of us as well. We don't know. But what we said is that what we want to do is no matter what is ahead of us, we want to take God into every season. We want to take God's wisdom into every season. And so part of that will be having God's wisdom about which way to go, which season to enter and which season not to enter. But part of that will be that when seasons choose us is how do we live with God's wisdom and take God's wisdom into whatever life situation we face. And so we talked about how God gives us these three streams of wisdom. And so if you missed last week, we encourage you to listen to that online or watch that online to hear these are the three streams. But one of the things that I gave out last week, and I want to mention it for those of you that weren't here, is uh, we made a little bookmark that goes along with this series, and it's just titled 40 Readings from the Poetic Books. Ecclesiastes is one of the poetic books, and they're really considered the, the wisdom books or the poetic books 
Uh, it's got four questions on the front to ask yourself, to reflect on, and then 40 different readings of the samplings of uh, the five different books in the poetic books. So if you didn't get one of these, they're on the Welcome Center. I encourage you to grab one of these and read along with us over the course of this series. So we spend time in all of these different seasons of life, but the season that we will spend the most amount of time in is work. You will spend more time at work than you do doing anything else in your life with the, perhaps the exception of sleep. And there are times in your life where you'll work more than you'll sleep. But work is that season that we spend most of our time in. And if we're going to spend more time in the season of work than we do anything else, then I think we'd want to make sure that we get this right. Make sure that we're doing what God wants us to do when it comes to this season of life in terms of work. And, you know, when it comes to work, we all have different jobs. Some of you, when you think work, you say, okay, I have a nine-to-five job. I go to the office. I come home. I have a boss. I have a paycheck. I have that. For some of you, work is I own my own business, and so that's your work. For some of you, you're students, and so you're in high school. You're in college. That is the work that God has for you at this season of life. Some of you are stay-at-home parents. You're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, and so your work is taking care of of this child. But all of us are in some season of work. Even those of you who might be retired, there's something that you look at and say, this is what I'm doing at this season of life in terms of work. But here's the thing, is if we were to gather up and get a little group of four or five people and talk about work and what's your experience and do you like work, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, a large number of people don't enjoy their work. So statistically speaking, one out of three people, so 33% of people who work, love their job. Whatever it is, they, they love their job. And maybe that's you. And then 16% of the people don't like their job. The way that the statisticians put it is they are actively disengaged. Not just disengaged, they're actively disengaged. And that's about 16% of you. And then the remaining 50%, and that's about half of us, are in the middle group and say... I don't love my job, but I don't hate my job. I'm not super engaged in my job, but I'm not actively anti my job either. And so all of us fall into one of those three categories, right? And I was thinking about actually saying, raise your hand if you're in this category, if you love your job. Raise your hand if you don't like your job. And then I thought, you know, a lot of people's boss goes here, and that'd be really bad. If you don't like your job, raise your hand, everybody. You know, that would not go over very well. Um, now, for those of you who love your job, we're going to talk some stuff about maybe why you love your job. Um, but for the majority, the two-thirds here who say, I don't like my job, or I'm kind of, I kind of like it, kind of don't like it. Why is that? You know, and, and you may look at it and say, the problem is that I have a job that I don't like. The problem is the job. It's the, it's the people. It's the work. It's the environment. It's the culture. It's the, you know, that type of thing. Or it may be that it's your attitude or your approach to it. You look at your job and you say, man, I, there's things I don't like about it, but it's also kind of like how I approach it. And it could be both, and it's probably a combination of both. But this morning, what we're going to talk about is how do we look at our job in such a way that, that God is a part of that? Because we're going to spend a whole lot of time in life, more than we do anything else, at our job so let's take some time this morning to figure out how do we have some enjoyment in our job. So Ecclesiastes chapter 2, beginning in verse 24. 
It says this. It says, There is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, you can, for apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? So there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil, to find enjoyment in his work. So what Solomon is saying is he's saying the way to find enjoyment in your work is to take God with you into your work. Now, here's something about River Ridge. If you're new to River Ridge, you know, this is something that we're about that's a very high value for us. And if this is a high value for you, you'll say, hey, I like being here and I want to stay here. If this is not a high value for you, you'll be like, I'm going to peace out and find someplace else. But here's a thing that's a very high value for us at River Ridge Church is that we believe that being a Christian, we believe that following Christ is not something that just happens on a Sunday morning. We believe that following Christ is something that permeates our entire lives, that we are followers of Christ everywhere we go, in every relationship, in every area, in every place that we go. We want to do all that we can to be followers of Jesus Christ. We don't just say, hey, that's just a Sunday morning thing. And so as we talk about that, what that means, a couple things that means. First of all, we do that with grace and we're growing in that and that's our goal. That's not to say we're perfect everywhere we go. We're absolutely not. But it means we have this desire to take God with us into every environment. And so what Solomon is getting at here is he says, when you go to your office door, when you go to the office, whatever that is for you, then take God with you into that environment. He says, for apart from me, you can have no enjoyment. So if we leave God at the door and we go to the office, then we're not going to have enjoyment in our work. So we take God with us. And that doesn't mean that you're going to put like a John 3.16 screensaver on your computer or get a little Jesus bobblehead to put on your desk. I mean, put verses behind him. If that's your thing, Jesus bobblehead, man, go for it. Um, but that's not what that means. It means that we want to live out the way that we work, the way that God says to go about our work. Listen to what it says in the next verse. It says, For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of, collect, of gathering and collecting. So when you take God with you into your work, then you can have joy and you can have wisdom and you can have knowledge, those things that we want. But he says, but the sinner, so that's those that don't take God into their work, says they're left with just gathering and collecting. You're just doing a job. You're doing your J-O-B, right? And it says that, man, if we will take God into our workplace, then we can find enjoyment there. And it doesn't matter what your job is. You may have a cruddy job or a great job or a hard job or an easy job. But what we're going to see as we look at some of God's wisdom here about work is it doesn't matter what job you have, how much you like it, how much you don't like it, that when you take God into it, you can have an amount of enjoyment in your job. So that's the question we're going to answer this morning. How do I find enjoyment in my work? How do I find enjoyment in my work? And for those of you who love your work, I think you'll see that you go, yep, that's why I love it. I'm putting God's principles into practice, even though I didn't even know that they were God's principles as I put them into practice. And you also may be challenged by these five points as well. 
So turn over to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, if you would. Now, when we, th- when we think about our jobs, we, there's sort of some questions that go through our minds. We, you know, we think in terms of, you know, how much money will I make? How many hours will I work? What are the benefits? What are the hours that I work? Who are the people that I work with? Is there opportunity for advancement? Is there opportunity to do different things? Can I grow? Can I move up in the corporation? We ask those types of questions. And those are great questions to ask. But I'm going to challenge you to add a layer of question that kind of supersedes all that. We will, those are all still important to the job that you have. But the question I would add to that is, do you have a heart for God's people? Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 5. It says, in the same way, this is Jesus speaking, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So when we think about our job, we think, I want to do a good job. Let them see your good works. Let my boss, my coworkers, the people I work with, the people I work for, they might see my good works and give me a raise. That they might see my good works and give me a promotion. That they may see my good works and give me more responsibilities. But what this says, what Jesus says, is they may see your good works, see the good work that you do at the office or whatever your job, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, part of why God has you wherever you are is He wants you to make a difference in the lives of the people who are there. And so we'll state it this way, is put my heart with God's heart. Put my heart with God's heart. You see, God has a heart for people. God loves all different types of people. And as you think about the people that you work with or the people that you go to school with or the people that you're with daily in a work environment, there are people that you love being with, probably. There's people that you find annoying. There's people that you find obnoxious. There's people that you find difficult. And maybe it's because of their personality or maybe it's because they do sloppy work or maybe it's for some other reason. But there's people that you struggle with there. But there's also people that you like there. But here's the thing is, God has a heart for every one of those people. And so part of why God has you where you are is because he wants you to be an influence on those people. He wants you to love the people that you work with. He wants you to care for the people that you work with. And for you, maybe that's a paradigm shift. Maybe you've thought, man, I just go there to get a paycheck. And then you add this layer on and say, God has a purpose for you. Because as I said, you're going to spend more time at work than you do just about anything else. And so God has a purpose for you there. And so maybe that means you're going to take a bit of a risk and and pray for somebody or offer to pray for somebody. Or maybe that means you're going to engage in a spiritual conversation or invite somebody to church or give somebody a book about Jesus, and you're going to take a bit of a risk. And I'm not saying break any rules around the office or anything like that. But to have that mindset of saying, God doesn't just have me here to get my work done. God doesn't just have me here to earn a paycheck, but God has me here so that I can be an influence because I want God's heart for these people. Next place we're going to look is Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And Paul here is writing, and he's addressing all kinds of different peoples and situations. Hold on a second. So it says this. 
It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. It says, whatever you do, work heartily. Or maybe your version says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So what's going to follow here is whatever you do, it doesn't matter what job you have. If you spend all day with people, if you spend all day in a cubicle, if you spend all day on the phone, if you spend all day studying, if you spend, it doesn't matter, whatever you do, the job that you love, the job that you hate, whatever you do, it says work at it heartily. Work at it as working for the Lord. It says work hard, do a good job. What God is saying here is part of the enjoyment that you find in your job is doing a good job. And so I put it this way, is put your best foot forward for God. Put your best foot forward for God. That whenever we do, we do it for the glory of God. I was uh, reading actually yesterday morning in my quiet time, I came across this quote from Martin Luther. Um, So I just hand wrote it on the bottom of my message. But it says this, he's talking about the value of work. Martin Luther says this, says, the Christian shoemaker does his work unto the Lord, not by putting a little cross on every shoe he makes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. You think about that. When you do a good job, that is honoring and glorifying to God. When you do a good job, whatever your job is, God looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You balanced those books right. You did that law case well. You did this, handled this patient well. You, whatever it is, he says, well done, because you have done your job unto the Lord. And it says in here also, the motivation for us to do a good job is as for the Lord, not for men. You know, and there's a part of us and all of us that says, I like my boss. I want to do a good job because I like my boss or to please my boss. But this helps us. If you have a terrible boss, if you have a terrible work environment, if you have a, if it's not, you still do a good job because it's not about you and it's not about your boss. It's about doing what God wants you to do in doing an excellent job of working heartily for the Lord. Then there's a little phrase at the end of verse 24 that I read. It says, you are serving the Lord Christ. Here's the third way to enjoy our work is put work in its proper place. Put work in its proper place. We're called to serve God. We are called to love God. Our significance and our identity is intended to come from our relationship with God. God didn't design work that we would gain our identity out of it, that we would gain our significance, that we would find value in who we are based on our work. It's to be found in that we are the the Lord Christ that we're serving. You see, if we put our identity in our work, it can be incredibly dangerous emotionally, spiritually, relationally, in all these different ways. Because if you are looking to your work to make you feel good about yourself, that's a dangerous place to be. You say, well, I, you know, if, if, if my sales numbers goes up, then I'll feel good about myself. If I have enough billable hours, then I'll feel good about myself. If I get good enough grades, then I feel good about myself. If the numbers balance out, then I feel good about myself. If the church attendance goes up, then I feel good about myself. You see, if that's where we're putting our hope, that's a sad place because God didn't design us to live that way. God designed us 
that we would put our hope and our security and our significance in him and not in our work. Now, that doesn't mean that we just go, hey, work doesn't matter. We put this in the context of Colossians 3, and we say, I want to do the absolute best that I can. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to study hard. I'm going to learn hard. I'm going to do a great presentation. I'm going to do a good job for my clients. I'm going to do a good job for my employees. I'm going to do a good job for my boss. We want to evaluate that and get better and better. But our motivation is that we work unto the Lord. But our significance comes, regardless of the outcome of that, regardless of the the results of that, it comes because I am a child of God. That's where our significance is found, not in the ups and downs of our workplace. Here's the fourth way to find enjoyment in our work, and it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5. It's very short. Um, It's just this. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household... He is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's just very, this very simple point is put food on the table. Part of why God has designed you to work or part of why we work is to put food on the table. And you may have a job that you don't like a whole lot, but understand that if you're putting food on the table, you're living out what God says is good in 1 Timothy 5.8. And you can go home at night and say, I didn't love what I did, but I can take enjoyment in the fact that God looks at me and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have provided for your family today. And then here's the last verse we're going to look at. This is Psalm 34, verse 7. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. God often leads through our desires. He leads through our gifting. He leads through our passions. And so there may be things in your heart you say, I'm passionate about this. I want this. These are what I'm passionate about. And part of what we do is we align our hearts, the passions that God has given us, with the work that we do. And so I put it this way, is put my passions to work. Put my passions to work. And that may mean for you looking for a different job Or more likely, it means in the job that you're doing is figure out what you're passionate about there and focus on it. One of the things that I've talked about from time to time is that I have a part-time job. I coach tennis at the University of Charleston. And there are things about my job at the University of Charleston coaching tennis that I love. I love talking to recruits about coming to University of Charleston. I love creating a dynamic, a team chemistry where the guys on the team enjoy each other. I love putting together a good practice workout. I love winning matches. I love, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I love relationally and otherwise about coaching tennis. But there's also some stuff about coaching tennis that I don't like. I have some paperwork type of stuff that I have to fill out for the for the school. I have NCAA regulations that I have to follow. I have to order uniforms. I have to balance budgets. I have to turn in receipts and credit cards and stuff like that. There's stuff that I don't like about it, but there's a lot that I do like where my passions are. And in any job that we have, whatever job you have, the chances are there's some stuff that you love and there's stuff that you're not so excited about. And maybe it's 80% one way and 20 the other, or maybe it's 20% one way and 80% the other. But you see, when we talk about putting our passions at work, what that means is that we say, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to have an attitude towards my work where I'm going to enjoy the things that I enjoy. Yeah, I have to do these other things, but I'm not going to let that drag me down because there's part of what I do that are my passions. Now, for some of you, the application today may be, I'm going to go home and 
rewrite my resume and start selling out because there's nothing that you're passionate about at your work. But my guess is if you look closely at what you do, no matter what you do, there's something about it that you're passionate about. And so allow that attitude or allow your attitudes and excitement about that to grow everything else that you do. I want to close uh, with a story that I admittedly borrowed um, from another pastor that I was listening to, but it so sums up what we're talking about. And uh, so this, the story is this, is there was a, a house that was under construction, and it, was the, it wasn't finished yet, and so there was a porta potty out in front of this house. And so the, all the construction workers would use this porta potty. Well, one day the cleaning truck that cleans the porta potties, it was something like Jeannie, or Johnny's Cleaning Go or something like that, comes up, and the guy walks in to the porta potty to clean it. And he's one of those guys that's just really tough looking. Like, he's muscular. He's got tattoos from his shoulders to his fingertips. He's just, you know, big, strong-looking guy. And he walks into this porta potty, and he's in there, and he's starting to, you know, and from the guy outside, the guys are hearing what's going on, and there's banging going on and clunking, and this thing is kind of shaking a little bit. And, and he's in there a really long time. And the guys in the construction site are going, what is this guy doing in here? I mean, he's, he's in here for a long time. What's going on? And he's in there so long. And, and by the way, like, does anybody like to be in a porta potty longer than they have to? No, right? So he's in there a long time. And so these guys are starting to, a crowd is forming, like, what in the world is going on inside this porta potty? And so eventually the guy walks out and he looks and he figures out who the manager is, the construction site overseer guy. And he says, look, I need to tell you something. I don't know who's been taking care of your porta potty, uh, but they have been doing a good job. And I tell you this, I work for Jesus, and I'm going to do a good job from now on taking care of your porta potty. It's going to be clean, it's going to smell good, and I'm going to take care of your porta potty for you and the guys on this site. You guys have a nice day. And then he gets in this porta potty John truck and takes off. List 100 jobs that I could have, and if porta potty was on there, it would be the last one. I cannot think of a worse job that I would ever want to have than cleaning out porta potties. It just sounds absolutely awful. But here's a guy that was enjoying his work because he was taking these principles that we talked about into his work every day. He found satisfaction and enjoyment because he did a great job with the task that he was given. He had a little bit of opportunity to talk occasionally about Jesus. He took pride in his work. And I don't know what job you have. You may love your job. You may hate your job. But it's a season of life that all of us find ourselves in for a good bit of time. And so let's take God's principles and God's wisdom into our work with us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you that we had this opportunity um, to look into your word, that we're going to spend so much time working in our lives. Uh, and you give us keys about how to find enjoyment in that. God, I pray that you would show us the applications that you want us to take this week because we want to follow you every day, all day long, not just here on Sunday mornings, Lord. Show us how to take you into our work with us. In Jesus' name, amen.